Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. So what's your why? Everyone has a why for getting into cannabis. It was my dad. I started my nonprofit because my dad passed away at age 62 from stage four liver, lung, and stomach cancers. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. And I am Joyce Gerber, and this is the Cannamom Show. Welcome 2022. Wow. New year. Crazy. And we're halfway through 5782. We like to do it twice on the Cannamom Show, so we're getting some extra special <laughs> excitement. Another mm-hmm. another new beginning. Yeah. Can, can we just try to hope that this calendar year will be... Just a little better than the last one. Uh, it just It's ending on a roll, so whatever. But yeah, then I want to right. talk about something good because I want right. to toot my own horn, which it's okay. my podcast, so I get to do that. So, uh, Dave, that anthology, The Courage in Cannabis, in which I am a featured author, yes. is now an international number one bestseller. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> I'll never, ever, ever get tired of saying that. And you can get your so own great. on through me. I'm going to have hard copy soon. I'll let you know. I might sign it. It's on the website. I got some forms that my interns helped me put together, and I'm trying to get into local bookstores. Anyone from Porter Square Bookstore, my local bookstore, if you're listening, I'm coming. I want to do a reading. And anyone listening, if you have a bookstore, I want to come to your place and talk about my story and all the other 18 amazing women and men who are featured in this book. Very cool. I want an autographed copy. I'll pay for it. I'll get you one. Yeah, because okay. it goes back to you. It all goes back to Dave. So, 
<laughs> just happy to be here and play a small role. Joyce, if you don't mind, I noticed something uh, on the interwebs, a, a famous guitarist jamming at Tootsie's in, I, be, I believe, Nashville. I believe so. Yep. So just for a, a treat, I queued up a little of his guitar solo here. Look at that. He looks like a rock star, doesn't he? He sure does. I think that older woman is looking at him, though. It's disturbing <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, the, the lead singer is a... Um, I'm trying to be kind. Full-figured woman who is definitely older than Josh, but he's only she sings okay. Well, he's a baby. He's a little baby. Right. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was cool. Tootsie's is is famous. I was there. I was told to go there when I was in Nashville, and I stopped by. And great bar. Well, he just sent yeah. it to us last night. It was just a random little clip. He's like, "Look what I'm doing." So my boy, the person who created the theme music for the Canada right. show, is now in Nashville and playing on stage. So if you like what you hear. When you listen to my show, wait till you see him in person. Mm. He was born to be a rock star, that mm-hmm. kid. Isn't that cool? I know. And we knew him Jealous. when. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, enough about me and my son. I know this is about me. Uh, let's talk about Anthony Bourdain for a second. I don't know if any of you are have listened to my origin story, but my cannabis origin story is connected to Anthony Bourdain in a strange way. And I just heard that CNN is releasing a podcast, which is, he's been gone for a while, but Mm. it's supposed to feature Anthony's journey through little known destinations and diverse cultures that make our global community more connected, which is what we need. And I miss him. So just a shout out to Anthony. I never saw the documentary. I think, did you see that? Did you tell me it was good? Yeah, I just just find he's had such an interesting perspective on this world. And it's a small planet. We're on a little teeny planet. And he connected us all. And he was kind of cranky about it and funny. And I just found him really an important person in my life to sort of guide me. The podcast will be like looking back on his life or... I don't know. I, I have not listened to it. I just heard about it. So I want yeah. to share it. It may just actually be featuring some of the stories to recount those stories that he told about the world that bring us together. That's We'll have to check it out. That's my guess. And then on international cannabis news, before we get to our guest, Malta has become the first country in the European Union to agree to formally legalize the use and growing of recreational cannabis. America, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) How many states are how many states are we up to in the U.S.? Do you know? I should know this off the top of my head. I don't. Maybe today's guest does because she's more informed, but many, many. It's getting to the tipping point. So everybody except for like the ones in the middle have at least medical. We have like, uh, I guess, Idaho and South Dakota, the Dakotas. Well, it's like oil. I think there's just like four left. There's like I'm four left. Our guest is spiking up. Yes, so she knows. <laughs> uh, anyways, all, I think it's like, it's like carbon. I have this whole vision. My new political uh, vision is like carbon because all those carbon states that go down, they're all Republican crazies to cannabis. Because we could reconstruct all those economies with cannabis and we don't have to keep ruining the environment. So I don't know who's up there. Consider it. Cannabis is useful. It can help us come together. All right. So today's guest. Enough about me and the world. Let us talk about today's guest. Wait, before you do, I'm, I'm sorry. The guest is, oh. is more important than this, but recre- <laughs> recreational marijuana is legal in 19 states and then Washington, D.C. also. So there you go. Yeah, thank you. We should know that. I should know that at the top of my head, but I don't. So 19, I do have like a little chart behind me. And Again, this is coming fast and it's coming in different ways. And it could come from at some point. It could come from the judiciary. Nobody. We were just talking about a Supreme Court case that could be talking about the enforcement of the Controlled Substance Act. This is coming at from all angles from all around. So it's coming down and we need to have a plan. What are we going to do as a country? Here, oh, here. America. Here, here. OK. America. On to my today's guest. All right. So today's guest. Today's guest is an entrepreneur and CEO 
with more than two decades of experience in medical cannabis, biotechnology, pharmaceutical, nutraceutical, and medical device industries. Her dedication to revolutionizing patient care is unprecedented. Through her roles as CEO of Spectral Analytics Precision Telemonitoring, founder and CEO of Affinity Biopartners, board president and CEO of Affinity Patient Advocacy, and CEO and co-founder of AI Health Outcomes, today's guest has been involved with revolutionary projects and global clinical studies that positively impact patients. And she wants to do this for cannabis. So please welcome to the Cannamom Show, the extraordinary Christina Giacangelo. Welcome to the Cannamom Show. Thank Woo. you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's fun here. All right. So I'm going to, your stories are big and we only have 45 minutes, but we're going to start. So you came from Big Pharma. So can you just sort of tell us a little bit, like I'm out in Cambridge, Massachusetts, everything out here is pharmaceuticals. My husband worked for Biogen. So I am around mm-hmm. this a lot. So can you tell us a little about how your experience that and how it influences your work now that you're in cannabis? Sure. Thank you so much. So I started out actually my second job in the pharmaceutical space was Johnson and Johnson. I worked on Medicaid. And at that time we had about 32 clinical studies globally running because those were the heydays of Remicade from a clinical research standpoint. And they were able to get approval from the FDA for multiple indications. Um, so that was my, my second job. My first job, I came in and I worked for a clinical research organization, which is now what I own, which is Affinity Biopartners, not the CRO I started in, but just the type of company. In that CRO, I was working for the sponsors that we were supporting as Park Davis, which was scooped up by Pfizer, which is Lipitor. And the drug that they originally had before Pfizer took over. And then I also worked on the little blue pill for Pfizer back then globally. So I started my career out very young and global and working for big guns, so to speak, in the industry. And I also worked for small to mid-sized biotechs throughout. The last company I worked in as an FTE, a full-time employee, was Fibrogen. And at that time, there were small mid-sized biotech that could they had a big deal with Acellus back then for their chronic kidney disease platform. They had a monoclonal antibodies. They actually had two treatments. And I was the youngest at the time head of outsourcing and procurement in the entire biotech industry and pharma. So a lot. You've had a lot. Of- <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I, again, I've been around this for 30 years or so, and I live in Cambridge. So th- that covers a lot of the area. And I guess I hadn't really thought about how this is really sort of this has been building up over the past 30 years as I've been watching it and my husband. So I've seen him go through a lot of these same things and I have a sister-in-law. So that's interesting. All right. So you have a big experience and maybe we'll get to cannabis in a minute. So, and formulations, because that's part of a big thing of cannabis mm-hmm. as medicinal. It is very tricky mm-hmm. to find consistency. It's a plant. She's a plant. We're, we're extracting a lot of things from her. I don't understand the science, but I can talk about it for like 30 seconds. So you do understand formulation and you do understand the FDA. So mm-hmm. when you see this with cannabis, sort of the consistent, because if we're going to use this as medicinal, it, it has to be consistent. It can't be your bud tender saying, it, it can't be like a wine. It can't be like a mm-hmm. turf. It can't be, it can't be, I like Chardonnay. So this will kind of work. If you're really talking about medicinal, mm-hmm. it has to be consistent. So how are you mm-hmm. thinking of this with cannabis and formulations and the FDA? Well, interestingly, 
Interestingly enough, I also represent a commercial company that has transdermal patches. I'm one of the chief uh, executives over there. It's called Avum. And we have both transdermal patches in the nutraceutical space. So what I refer to in nutraceutical is like melatonin, B12, D3, those kinds of things. We also have pills that are cortisol pills that are, again, nutraceutical. In my opinion, CBD and medical cannabis is the nutraceutical. It's not a biologic. Right now, the way that the FDA looks at it is, is that you have to file an IND, Investigational New Drug Application. And people that work in traditional pharma know that IND is most likely a biologic, right? So like Remicade, for example, they filed an IND for that. All the drugs that are out there right now that are pushing through that are biologics are typically filed as an IND. In my opinion, this is a nutraceutical product, so therefore should not go under an IND pathway. It should go under the nutraceutical food and drug act side of the organization, obviously still governing it and ensuring there's consistency, there's real certificate of analysis performed on these products before they go into human, but then actually do true clinical studies looking at tox, just like you would for anything else that you would be drug developing under the cosmetic act, if that makes sense. So that, okay, so that's very, so are you saying that nutraceutical would be a less I mean, I, I've watched my husband go through clinical trials. This is the, my only exposure to it, but I know they're pretty stringent and the reviews mm-hmm. are really difficult. And if you're treating this like, so what, I mean, I think it's now that you talk, say it, I, I, mean, I understand what you're talking about. Like it's a vitamin, like you, a vitamin D or something to balance our systems as opposed to something to change our systems, maybe chemically. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And you still have to do clinical studies. So just to be clear out there. I've worked on nutraceutical drugs in my career. An example of that is Nutrafol. Nutrafol is a hair loss drug that people take that's a pill form. I also worked on another product that's out of Texas that's another hair um, regrowth product. So I did a lot in hair about four or five years ago because hair regrowth is important because there's a lot of imbalances in the body that causes it. And Rogaine just doesn't cut it sometimes. No offense to the people who've manufactured and promote Rogaine. I'm just telling you, someone who has Hashimoto, which is a immune disorder, thyroid based, I lose my hair at times. So luckily I'm starting to, we're almost in a remission state. I'm not using losing clumps of hair, but for someone like me, hair loss is important. So, okay, so, so go, let's go back to the transdermal patch is something you're talking about is something that's consistent delivery system yes. based it's, on it's, the mm-hmm. nutraceutical pathway, or I don't know, how would you talk? So, so my, my thought process is a transdermal patch right now in pharmaceuticals is considered a fourth generation delivery method, the transdermal patch. I authored a white paper this year, actually in the beginning of this year, about a transdermal patch study that we did with our patch against 13 other transdermal patches in the space to see whether or not it actually delivered the medicine with CBD and different derivatives, terpenes, et cetera, for a 24-hour period. A lot of people out there have patches, they say they last for 24 hours, and they don't. Our patch and three others, only three others in this in the space that, and we just arbitrarily bought some, we obviously bought some big name companies in the mix of it because we wanted to see, we stacked up against them. So our patches do release for 24 hours, our patches, every batch we put out, we do a COA for. 
So before it goes to anybody, we test the ingredients when we get them. After we put them in the patch, we test them again. We test twice because we want to make sure that what we said we thought we had ingredient wise is what ended up in the patch before we give it to the patients. Then the other thing we do is we have a QR code that's built into our label. So a patient can merely just take the QR code, scan it on their, their smartphone or their computer, and automatically my certificate of analysis and all the ingredients show up immediately. Wow. Not everybody so does a, that, as so you know. Are, can I... So, so these are transdermal patches you can purchase at dispensaries? Where, what are these? Yep, they are. They are, are they? absolutely okay. available. They're hemp-based, right? So we're well within the hemp <laughs> farm bill, uh, 0.03% or lower. But I've actually been formulating with some of our scientists different formulations in preparation for clinical studies. One is an immune boost. The reason why I developed the immune boost was because I was helping people through my nonprofit, Affinity Patient Advocacy, cancer patients, HIV patients, autoimmune patients, and COVID. Because I've been working at COVID traditionally and nutraceutically since it happened. And that's not a patch or anything like that. It's actual. All right. So just... You, have to, you still have a bigger story. All right. So you're making this transdermal patch. You understand, obviously, how this works. You understand how clinical trials work. Where does Spectral come in? And Dr. Donner, yeah. how, how, where does that connection okay. come? Yeah, sure. So Spectral Analytics Precision Telemonitoring is a telemonitoring platform that enables clinical research studies to utilize the technology. What I mean by that, it's a lot in one sentence. We have an electronic data capture. So that's EDC. And we have electronic patient reported outcomes. So what that means is the actual subject questionnaires, the participants answer as part of the research, and it's all in the protocol. So they know like that's their playbook, right? So you build the technology to back into the protocol to collect all of the data. So we're using this right now for the diabetic neuropathy study. I manage and also operationalized on behalf of clients. So we're using the EDC and EPRO there, but we also have bots. We have AI bots, the Canabot and the doctor bot. We're using the Canabot right now in the diabetic neuropathy pre-screened subjects and also from a patient recruitment standpoint to find the subjects that we need to enroll in our study. So how do you using, I haven't heard, how does cannabis and diabetes, how does that work together? Patients that have diabetic neuropathy are patients that have diabetes and What that means in regular terms is that these patients typically suffer from pain, pins and needle feeling in their nerves, also lose balance because they shake almost like an MS patient. Neuropathy is like shaking. So they have a hard time walking where they're trying to move their actual legs. So they fall down a lot. Okay. Obviously they have a lot of anxiety, right? They don't feel well because they're in pain, they're shaking their nerves. Everything is just a mess that it's impacting their gastrointestinal tract. In a nutshell, not to dive down, it's a very, very important thing for us to study because this is a true unmet medical need. And I actually worked on diabetic neuropathy uh, before in my career to do working on the cannabis side. It was traditional pharma. And okay, so how are they using it? Is it they're using like a salves? Are they using tinctures? Are they using, what are they using to control their pain? Or It's going to, it's capsules. Um, the bio, it's an actual global biotech company that I can't say 
right now yet because they haven't even released their press release to say they're working on the study okay. and that they hired us. Um, but our press releases, we were allowed to send press releases out saying we're working on this DN study and all those things. There's a strategy behind why we do the things we and we don't do things unless we have approval from our clients. But uh, this is a global biotech company that's in the cannabis space and the CBD space as well throughout the world. And their, one of their offices is located in Pennsylvania. So this is a Pennsylvania study. There is not THC in this product at all. This is an IRB study. We're running it through, like you would traditional pharma, through an institutional review board. The patients are consented. We have Dr. Don is our principal investigator who's going to be, who's running the study from a physician standpoint. And then there's a nurse that we work with very closely. Her name is Laura Serena. She's our study coordinator. And then we have a sub-investigator. So the deal is we're going to enroll 60 patients in 90 days. They'll be on treatment for 90 days. This is considered a phase one observational study. Because what we're trying to do is observe whether or not we're meeting certain endpoints pursuant to the way the clinical trial design occurred. So obviously pain is one of those endpoints. But we designed the study very, very traditional pharma using this product. Wow. Okay. That's huge. All right. So we're just going to, so, so she knows what she's doing. She's heading it up. People are afraid of big pharma. I hear this all the time. I live in Cambridge. We shouldn't have to know who our hemp farmer is to make sure that our CBD product works and no one should be selling this stuff at the gas station. So there's going to be some compromise place here. Big Pharma has this ability, the FDA, they know how to work with them. And we need some products that are, we need products that are consistent. I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. what else to say about this. So, all right, so let's shift Mm -hmm. gears. Mm -hmm. You are a patient. You also Mm -hmm. have a son. How old is your son? I have one son, Christian. (laughs) How old is he? He's going to be nine in February. So he's at the end of eight. Okay, so you're you're kind of a young can of mom-ish. So what's your why? Is it your son? Is it you? How did this kind of, everyone has a why for getting into cannabis? Yeah, really. Yeah, it was my dad. So in 2015, that's when I started my nonprofit, Affinity Patient Advocacy. And it was because my dad passed away at age 62 from stage four liver, lung, and stomach cancers. So he originally started when he was 40 with prostate cancer. They removed his prostate. He still had a piece of cancer in his stomach. And so they treated that cancer for 22 years, but it imploded, right? It went to the liver, it moved up his body to his lungs where it finally killed him. So from less than uh, two months from final diagnosis, he had passed. And being a clinical research person, you don't get to interact with patients, right? We design studies for them and we hope that what we're designing is going to be beneficial and effective, safe for them. But we don't get to talk to them because of HIPAA, there's a, there's a line that we can't cross. And it's done a lot of work in oncology. And I've been with all these years growing up watching my dad with this stuff. And so I had a choice but to step in and help out. And that's when it opened my eyes and I realized, oh my goodness, these people, there's all these patients don't have somebody that can help them. At least I, I live and breathe this, right? This is what I do for a living. I'm not a doctor, but I know where to find a clinical study for him. I know the questions to ask. I know about drug-drug interactions. I know that there's a whole peripheral of doctors like a spider web that'll be coming in to work with him, pulmonary, et cetera. It really opens my eyes. And that was why I decided to open the nonprofit. 
So then literally like two days after my dad passed, I got approval from the state to proceed forward with APA. So I was really, really happy that I got, I was able to get that done. And he knew before he was dying that I was going to do this for him because he was a laborer, blue collar. He was a teamster. Yeah. Let's talk about him. You tell me some good stories about him. Talk a little about him. How is he connected to Arissa? You know, how biotech and like teamsters. I don't know. That's like a funny combination inside of you. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And the fact that the teams like me, that's a big deal. So that was a gift for my, my dad. So prior. Okay. So dad was always a laborer. He was always blue collar. So he was a steel worker at a local company called Phoenix Steel in Phoenixville, PA. He was president of the steel workers union. So as a little girl, I was going into the union hall, walking, observing. They had gone through several bankruptcies. My dad was allowing me to be involved in bankruptcy discussions because I had aspirations of being a lawyer. So he was taking me to these meetings, the New York meetings and such. And I was meeting with these Fed lawyers, it was bankruptcy federal. And so then the, the actual plant finally closed its doors for the last time. They got bought out by another company and then they finally went kaput. And then he got a job on the turnpike, thank God. He was starting to look for a job prior because he knew eventually they were going to close. And he was lucky enough to be able to get a position on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and, and become a Teamster. So prior to all this, though, ERISA. So ERISA is the act that allows if your father passes away and has a pension, it can then act to the mom, to the mother, to the wife, to then support the family, Right. The way it used to be is that the pension would go back in the fund if your father died. Well, my dad and other laborers were angry about this because they work their whole life. And if they die for some unknown reason, maybe they have cancer or something, then how is their family going to be taken care of? Or they get hurt on the job, God forbid, and die. Well, then their pension just goes bloop. So that's when they went down to the hill time after time, and they were able to get the ERISA Act passed. So now when your dad dies, the pension goes to the, the wife to then obviously continue to afford to pay for the family. So yeah. <laughs> good for him. It, like active, was, Yeah. So, that, so now you have a connection to this world. I mean, I am, I do kind of joke about this, but if you think about how our country is divided politically, we go down from Alaska through Idaho, across the Dakotas, down to Texas, across the South. It's all, it's carbon. It's all carbon. And yeah. our entire country used to be closer on this. We used to be, it used to make me annoyed that the Republicans and Democrats were that far apart, but we both benefited from carbon. That's right. And we need to figure out That's what right. happened to the middle of the country. And why can't we convert this to cannabis? Why can't this be a political issue that brings us together? I just, can you talk to the Teamsters for me? Well, can you? <laughs> the, Teamsters, the Teamsters have a cannabis division and yes, they do. And I am very good friends with the head woman that's in charge underneath management, of course. Um, I don't want to like shunt them, but her name is Kristen Heidelbach. And she and I have been working together since I got into the space. So this entire time, and it was because she recognized my name. And I'm very proud of the fact that my dad was a teamster online with the unions because that's how I grew up. So working in corporate America and seeing bullying going on and stupid shit, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what the hell we have to stop. This is appropriate like this. And this gets me in trouble. So this is why I don't work FTE jobs anymore. I have my companies because listen, I'm going to tell the truth. I will always tell the truth. 
And I'm going to stand up for those people that deserve a voice when they don't feel like they have one. That's labor and patience. And in my opinion, all goes. But again, which is what I keep talking about. Women have to build a new kind of industry. No one's going to do it for us. And I mean, we can see it now. The money, it's the same exact industry. Like the bubble and the investments of the men companies that are buying each other out in cannabis and no one's making any money. This should not be cannabis. We can't be doing it the same old way. We need to be building companies with foundations and that are are built in the image of the cannabis caregiver. And you're, that right. is literally what you're doing. So Thank I'm glad you. you can't work for somebody else because we need you out Thank there you. doing your own thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you, so you, was your dad able to access cannabis? Is that part of his care? Or No, no. no. So he was not able to access in 15. We did not have a medical program. Mm. The very next year, I was invited to speak at Relay for Life as a keynote speaker. And I was invited to speak about my dad's journey and being his caregiver and why I started my company. So me being in biotech as long as I have, when I speak at conferences, biotech related conferences, I'm very, it's corporate, right? Cut and dry. I would never wear cool earrings like this and like, you know, and show my personality tattoos and stuff. No, not at all. Like it's very stuff. My shirt in, got my suit on, I'm ready to go, right? That's not, so I was lucky enough to talk from my heart and explain how I felt in my journey and the fact that I messed up. I messed up because I knew he was dying. I was his caregiver. I'm not stupid. I understand research. I understand talking to doctors. I can move labs. I could, I knew what was going on with him, but for me, I was doing my job, which was taking care of him and making sure he was okay. I didn't anticipate was going to be like when he finally died you know what I'm saying so when he died and I was with him up until the nighttime and then I had to go I had to go to a board meeting for a nonprofit I sat in which was the alumni board president for the school district I went to as a kid he passed away at like 9 30 that evening but his obituary reads the next day because by the time hospice came out there to you know do their paperwork it was the next day, but he had passed on, on 10, 13 in the evening. So when I talked about all this stuff, they, people were um, recording me speak and sharing it on social media, which is fine. But what happened was a grower out on the West Coast reached out to me and said, I need you. I want to turn my grow into a good manufacturing process grow. I want you to do clinical studies. I know you can do this because you have this biotech background with 20 some FDA approved drugs under your belt from a career standpoint of working on these things. You can help me. So if it wasn't for that and that struggle I had with my father and just finally being free and discussing exactly how it all played out, that's how I got into cannabis. And it really was like, Chink, yes, I can do this. And I was criticized. Of course Absolutely. you were. I mean, again, it's it's just this idea that the women I'm meeting in the industry are using their powers to transform this industry because they have had a moment like yours. Heal yourself. But you understand this. I'm still in the world of love, kindness, goodness, and hope, which I appreciate. And I, But I come from a world of law. I live out here in Massachusetts, in Cambridge. I know about biotech, pharmaceuticals. I know this has to be elevated to a bigger, a more consistent it's going to get bigger. So we need to understand the language of that world. 
but you can do it a little bit differently because you understand it. And I just like, that's so great. And we need women. I mean, the thing is women are doing it differently. Men are welcome in, but no one else mm-hmm. is going to do it for us. And I just love that you're doing this. So you're also a caregiver to a child. So yes. how do you talk to your son yes. about cannabis? What does he know about it? Yes. So, and, and prior to him, I, and you alluded to this, I became a patient in 2018. Mm-hmm. So when I had my first diagnosis in 18, it was the Hashimoto and it was February 18 when we figured this out. And so I thought, okay, I'm supposed to be taking this traditional pill for my thyroid, but I'm really interested in like CBG, CBN, CBD, and some terps, like, cause I'm a researcher, right? So I started looking into, I had been in the space. So I'm being educated. I'm seeing research studies. I'm working on them. So, okay. So I started taking a tincture I bought and it was helping me, believe it or not. So by August, I, I noticed I was dropping weight because I gained a lot of weight. Like I've lost about 150 pounds since 18. Wow. So like, I'm no, I don't even look anywhere near the way. And I have to watch though my weight all the time because that's an indication that I relapse if I see a spike in my weight. And so it's not me being petty. It's that's what happens when you have a thyroid disorder. You got to stay on that scale and figure it out. You can't just forget about it. Data. Turn a blind eye. Right. I'm, I'm a metric person. So it's not me being like, oh, I gained a pound. I don't give a shit if I gained a pound. But if I see now I've gained 10, there's a problem. Something's wrong. If my hair starts falling out again and I've got a, you know what I mean? So anyway, so I started doing that. And then in the summertime, I was having a lot of pain. And I'm like, wait a minute, my, my thyroid levels are normal. I'm back to normal limit when I was four times the normal limit. It was terrible. That's how, I, I mean, I'm lucky nothing worse happened to me, right? And started going through all the tests again. Second time in one year, I'm being tested for the big C. My dad died very early, started in, at 40. I was past 40, so they were worried. And so that's when I found out I had the fibro. So I got a medical card for the program. So I started taking Rick Simpson oil, RSO, at nighttime for anti-inflammatory issues. And that's what I do now. I do that at night. I wear one of our patches and I take a one-to-one tincture every morning. And that helps me. Now, does that mean I don't microdose during the day with stuff? Sometimes I have to. Yesterday I fell down. You know how we're talking about neuropathy? My legs were unstable. I don't know. And I fell down four steps and the stairs are like this. So it scared the shit out of me. And I'm a single mom with my son. So I bumped my elbows and it kind of put me off all day, like up here because I got scared and I was like, my God, this is, I could have, so stuff still happens. It's, I'm not going to be cured, but does it help me? Surely it does. Yes. So he knows it's mommy's medicine. He knows that much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so then my son, he has six mental health developmental disorders. I kind of knew like when he was two, there was a problem because he would bite people in, 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 what is it? Daycare. That's what, cause we always said school. So he got his mindset that we go to school, but anyway, he was biting kids at two because he couldn't verbalize full sentences yet two years old. So he became frustrated and he would bite these kids. Like he was like a mercenary later. He would just woof right in and bite people. I'm like, shit, he's going to get kicked out of daycare. <laughs> like something's wrong. So we started working with my adopted Persian mom. She's a homeopathic. So we started doing homeopathy on him at two to try. And, and I was married at the time to his dad. And we're trying to like figure out what's going on. 
So as I was observing throughout the years and then got separated from my ex-husband, he, my son, our son started going to therapy. The therapist started noticing things. Thank God I wasn't the only person and the teachers are not the only people. We got him tested and that's when things started popping up. So I wasn't surprised. I knew something was wrong. My mom has a big medical, uh, mental health, medical history background, like big time. Her mom, her brother, my dad's side. So we've got a lot of mental health and my ex-husband won't admit it, but his family does too. So it's a denial thing. And I have anxiety. So it's like, listen, this is, this is okay. We're going to work through this. I'm an, a researcher. I'm an advocate. I've got people I can call. Dr. Donner was involved all the time. He's a physician. He's an ER doc by training. He's a wound care doc. He's a hyperbaric doc. And he does medical cannabis. He's a superman, as far as I'm concerned. He's my peanut butter to me, jelly. We're like peanut butter. And that's what we always say. We're like peanut butter and jelly, just doing things. So... <laughs> <laughs> seriously like that no, it's good I, I mean you have a team again like this whole parenting thing I have a kid like my musician son who we just highlighted mm-hmm. at the beginning was a, I was very mm-hmm. anxious I did not use cannabis he was very anxious we got in lots of fights he uses music like that's literally how yeah. he uses and he has used cannabis to calm himself before I had my epiphany and how to do the awakening but again he was he would have been put on medications except he literally wouldn't take them like he just, that was mm-hmm. my son's the era where they gave all the kids, they were all medicated mm-hmm. and my son would literally mm-hmm. spit it out at them. So I was like, I don't know what to do, but thank God he spit it out at them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Cause I mean, I don't have Christian on traditional meds. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that some parents, are, what I'm not, I don't judge you. Okay. No. Whatever you have to do to make sure your kid's okay. I don't, I, whatever it's this way or no way, but, but I'll turn it up. This is what I say. It should be part of the package of options for people to exactly. use because they don't have, these pharmaceuticals are amazing and powerful and they transform lives, but they are also when our young people are having to get off them. And I've seen yes. that my son's 23. It's just like, it's a whole generation of these kids. So, and they right. talk to me about this now that I work in this industry. I find that really right. um, interesting because I understand it. Right, yeah. right. We originally formulated one patch for him and we didn't see the best outcome as far as like focus and things and anxiety. So then I decided one day, what the heck? I take the immune boost every day. Again, has no TAP. It's isolate with terpenes but it's the terpenes we've put together. And I put that on his back every day. He takes that and he takes our cortisol pills, which has ashwagandha in it and some other ingredients. So he takes that every day and he's very willing because he was raised in that environment where he has seen me before I got into space, just in clinical research, before I became an advocate, that's all he knows. He came out of the womb is his mom's a clinical research lady. You know? and, but I, I just, the kids who are around cannabis as sort of as mommy's medicine or as something that they take as a daily, they can't be scared by dare. That's really what I've right. been observing lately from the no. women who tell me about their no. children. Yeah. No, so. not at all. Christian's proud of it. Like, right. and I tell them to be careful because where we live, you have to be careful, right? Like even tincture in his school, this was before COVID and it was a tincture that Dr. Donner had worked with a manufacturer to develop. So I knew who they were. I met with the CEO in Barcelona with Donner when we were at the World CD Awards in 18. So we're is more research ago. than most mothers do. So just give that in perspective. Oh, I take his t- yeah, yeah, I take his tincture to school. It's no THC right on the bottle. 
bring it into the nurse. The nurse looks at me and she goes, well, this is cannabis. I said, it's CBD. It's cannabidiol, CBD, no THC. It's like, it's just a healing. It's a homeopathy type product as far as I'm concerned. And they rejected it and told me I had to come back and get it. And I was like, oh, this is now you've really, do you realize what you've done? Poke the bear, people. You poke the bear. (laughs) I was like, do you realize that I am one of the top researchers in Pennsylvania alone? And our governor, Wolf, knows who the frig I am and applauds me for my job. You understand you violated my son's right federally because he falls under the farm bill with this. You understand? So I stopped what I was doing because COVID happened, right? So I was like, okay. They're lucky because I just kept seeing them at home. It's the moms who are going to change this. So I have a story of a woman in Massachusetts that, you know, there's, she's a medical cannabis consumer. She had seizure issues. She got off her other meds except for the cannabis because it worked the best. She was up front with everybody, told everybody. The hospital said we're, we're mandated reporters. If there's, they're going to test the meconium and we're going to report you. And she being a white entitled lady in Massachusetts was like, hell no. And she fought it all the way to the top. They couldn't explain to her why they were even doing this. It was a hospital policy for no particular reason, and she got it changed. So again, one person can make a difference. And these policies Mm -hmm. are often in place. Like the school nurses are mandatory reporters. I understand that. But Mm -hmm. there's a misunderstanding of what this product is. And there are documentaries out now. Weediatrics is out there. It's a little documentary talking Mm -hmm. about it. But I was talking to Dave at the beginning of the show on Sunday night, Sanjay Gupta on CNN did a special on cannabis mm-hmm. and autism. Yep. And those parents are in Texas right. and they are risking every mm-hmm. single time they give that daughter a dose. So she stops punching mm-hmm. herself in her face. They are risking a federal conviction. So just mm-hmm. keep that. It's a ridiculous thing we're in. And it's not even the government that people are so afraid of at that level. They're afraid of children's services. Because once children's mm-hmm. services CYS. gets involved in your, yeah, once you get involved at in any state, they have different lawyers can't help you. It's a, it's a different it's a different mandate. So again, if the people on the front line are misinformed, like nurses who are seeing the kids every day, the social workers, the healthcare providers who are going into people's houses, that's the level that we have to be very careful of. Just like the police officers who don't understand mm-hmm. where the line is. They need mm-hmm. the people who are enforcing these laws have to understand really what they're doing. So we need Absolutely. people like you. So that's the nurses, whatever. I, they need one. They leave Everyone needs a mom like you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I, I think it all the time, but thank you. <laughs> All right. So we are rounding up on our first show of 2022. Christina, what are you looking forward to um, this year? Are you, are you going out of the country? Hey, listen, are you touring? Are you I'm speaking? Getting, yeah. I, I, I'm going to launch under Christina D'Arcangelo Freedom Women Retreats. Oh. That's coming up. So I'm going to keep you, definitely you'll receive an invitation. An I want a free Freedom Retreat. Oh, Lordy, Lord. Yeah. Yep. women coming together so that's coming up working on psilocybin study in canada Uh uh-huh so that's coming up and then spectral has through our commercial company avum we have a lot of research pts the immune boost the dn study will be done soon so we're going to see the data coming out on that and when that comes out i promise you it's going to be history in the making. All right. 2022, we got a bang, powerful woman leading in cannabis. And we got one right here. So thank you, Christina, so much for joining us today. I love talking to you. Um, thank you. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to connect with you? I always say my LinkedIn is the best way. And for people who don't have LinkedIn, if you're a patient or anybody that doesn't have a LinkedIn, 
just go on christinadarchangelo.com. It goes right into our email system. And I actually see every email. So if it's not me, it's one of my team members that responds with 24 hours. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Christina. This was a great way to start the year. Thank you so much. Thank you Um, so much. You're very welcome. All right, Dave, one show down. (laughs) (laughs) The journey begins again. Begins again. The fight goes on. Life goes on. All right. So for my guest today and my Canna brother, David Yaz, and of course, our Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one Canna story at a time. Thank you for following and sharing and reviewing all the inspiring Canna stories of the women building this new industry. So together, we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.